In today's episode, we're talking with Richard Dougal about what it truly takes to close sales on a level that most can only dream of. So don't you change that dial or drop that phone. We're about to level it up and shatter the mold. Question. In a world where groupthink is the norm, others want what you've earned, and thinking for yourself will get a target painted on your back, how do you flip the script and level up your business, your money, relationships, your health, your status, and your life? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Andrew S. Kaplan, and it's time to shatter the mold. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Shattered the Mold. Andrew S. Kaplan, really excited to be here with you today. We've got an awesome, awesome, and very insightful guest that we're going to be talking to. Before we get there, though, quick update on today's sponsor. My book, The Last Law of Attraction book you'll ever need to read, has been doing some wonderful, wonderful things so far this year. It was recently featured on USA Today in an article titled 20 Reading Suggestions for a New and Improved You in 2021. And in Forbes, in an article titled 21 Books to Read in 2021. And if that's not enough, while I wasn't even looking, I just checked the numbers now and saw the book has officially passed 50,000 copies in sales. I could not be more excited. And of course, that's across all formats, audiobook, Kindle book, paperback. Uh, in total, 50,000 unique souls have now picked this book up and Thank you so much. That's all I can say. I'm so excited for where the book's going. I'm so grateful for all the five-star rave reviews, and I'm so pumped whenever someone writes in, letting me know how they've used the techniques in the book. So thank you so much. And don't forget, for anyone that has not checked it out yet, you can just go to lastlawofattractionbook.com. That'll auto-forward you to the Amazon listing where you can get it in any format that you want. And if you don't want to pull out your wallet but you want to check out what this content's really about, you can go to my YouTube channel in support of it, and that's youtube.com slash Cap. With that said, let's get straight to today's guest. And again, this is going to be awesome. Richard Dougal describes himself as a closing machine, but really that's just the tip of the iceberg of who he is and what he does. He's a sales master in every sense of the word and an NLP expert, and as he puts it, he's never seen a sales script that he could not fix or improve in some way. When working with companies or individuals on their persuasion sales closing presentations or their mindset or their strategy or anything else, he's not aiming for results that are just marginal. He's shooting for astronomical. And just before we sat down for today's interview, I was hearing about a recent client in particular of his whose sales and conversions were increased by 50%, which to anyone who understands business knows that that's nearly an unheard of number. Richard believes in going from features and benefit selling to value-based selling. That's really his secret sauce, or one of them at least, and he understands face-to-face -face selling on a level that most people just don't appreciate. And for him, it's all about simply getting that business and doing it the right way. And he really is one of the best out there. In fact, one thing he's known for in particular is that certain industry events, they play his sales calls on stage for everyone to listen to and learn from. I'm sure we've got a lot of awesome content and really deep sales insights on the way here today. So without any further ado, Shatter the Mold warmly welcomes Mr. Richard Dougal. Richard, thank you so much for being here, my friend, and welcome to Shatter the Mold. My pleasure. Um, you know, it's it's so cool to have you on, and I, I'm always very hesitant to to almost overhype a guest in the beginning of a conversation, but I really am excited to where does where does talk might go because there's like a million different directions we could go in just in terms of sales psychology, in terms of human psychology in general, in terms of you know. Of, you know, taking, you know, handling objections in terms of pre-framing, like there's so many different ways we can go in. And um, I guess a great way to start with is because like, I know that right now 
you're working with individuals one-on-one and you're working with companies. So I get a, a, a great way to kind of lead us into this conversation in the beginning, even though we'll probably go backwards later, is like, what are the kinds of things or the kinds of uh, industries that you're currently working with in this moment right now? I'm working uh, with one-on-one with uh, entrepreneurs and high-end salespeople. Now, people who've taken a lot of the regular sales training, you know, that you've seen the bookstore, but they want that edge. They want that extra edge. They want to close an extra deal. And they want the business to be easier. And they want to enjoy the business as well. So I'll give you an example. Um, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, one thing that uh, not everyone knows about, <clears throat> but you know, his, his profession was a bodybuilder. Everyone knows that, and he was the best. And what he did to make him the, himself the best of the best in that generation is he went outside his industry where, you know, posing, nutrition, weightlifting. But he went and hired a ballet dancing coach to train him, almost like a secret coach, to train him to how to move his body on the stage and the posing. Wow. And that's an advantage that he has. So I, I'm, the, I'm like the secret advantage. And to give you an example, you know, Steve Adams, who has a tremendous... Uh, powerful company when it comes to improving a person's health, uh, Tiger. He hired me to, to work with him. And then he started to teach his salespeople what I was teaching him, mm. which is moving away from selling by features and benefits to getting some of these values and criteria and then adjusting everything quickly to that, what that person needs which is much more service-oriented and faster and more of a consultative approach. And it leads to a, a incredible results. And he wrote me a letter because one thing about Steve, he's, a, he's, he's almost like a, I would say like a mathematician in the sense he tracks everything. And he increased his sales by 50%, 50% wow. increased uh, closing ratio just on that. And also the verbiage and how to uh, quickly profile people. Yeah, so I wanted to ask you about that. Um, you, you, that's one of your talents in terms of quickly profiling people. Yeah. Now, when you say that, is that in terms of in person or over the phone? Or is this something that even stretches past that in terms of you know, uh, buyer profiles based on certain demographics? Like, Where does this go specifically so that the audience can understand what you're doing specifically for that? Well, this is really, really critical because the type of approach, let's say you have a sales process and you, you say, this is what I do when I go out and sell, whether you're, you're an entrepreneur selling to a, a board or you're a one-on-one in a business situation or a financial analyst or financial um, advisor and you're talking to somebody and you want them to buy what you have. So what happened is you have your particular presentation style but if you actually step back and look at it, you'll realize that the one style that would work with one type of person would actually repel a different type of person. And I'm going to go, I'm going to explain that right now. So there's a lot of personality styles out there. You know, we take these, uh, you know, write them in and we do the multiple tests. But if you find, if you're going to deeper into what they really are, even the disc, a lot of them are how to hire somebody. Mm-hmm. 
or my own personality, how I make decisions and my blah, blah, blah. But what I use is one which is very easy and simple for selling, which is, is this person a driver? Are they analytical? Are they amiable? Are they, are they expressive? So I'll just give you a quick example. If I'm selling something to, let's say, even a, a laptop, let's say to a, a driver, and he, say, he comes in, he says, I travel, I need something light with a lot of memory. I don't play games. So I don't need all that fancy stuff. Mm-hmm. Bang. I can move in quickly, say this is exactly what you need. Bottom line, it is this, this, and this. That's it. Right. If somebody's analytical, they want to know the RAM, they want to know the, the exact battery life. And you'll always know an analytical because they'll correct you. You'll say, it has five, you know, four hours. And they go, actually, I looked online, it's 4.3. They'll correct you. And what they want is the process. So let's say I'm going in to sell them, uh, to be a listing agent, to sell them, a, you know, like their house. They'll want to know the methodology, what I'm going to do to sell the property, the actual steps I'm going to take. They'll want to know every house in the market, what it's sold for, the percentage of sales. But the driver just wants to know, bottom line, can you sell my home and how quick? Right. So what's this, the price? That's so all. If I'm, yeah. So if I'm understanding this right, I mean, there's, you've, you identify four main personality types and you're based on your experience and based on their language patterns and based on the way they interact with you, you identify who they are. And through that, you basically have, and let me correct me if I'm misrepresenting you here. You've basically got four distinct versions of your presentation that are designed to meet that person where they are at based on their personality type. Is that a exactly. fair way to put it? Absolutely. Because let's say that somebody is used to being an amiable in themselves. And we, we tend to sell in our own personality style. So mm-hmm. an amiable wants to get to know you, wants warm feelings. You know, they go, so tell me about you and your kids. And how do you get into business? And, oh, they want to feel comfortable with you. That's how they buy. So what happens is I get salespeople, you get salespeople calling you. And they haven't even assessed me. And they're trying to do that on me, which doesn't work on me. Right. You know, oh, you're from England. Oh, I like it. You know, that's fine. But then they want to go deeper. They want to get to know me. And I think, I'm thinking like your particular, whatever you're selling, does it work? Will they get my results? Maybe I'm a driver and I want to know, can, th- can this pers- person bring me what I want so that I can move forward? Right. I, I don't want to spend time with that. But that's how that person sells. And they'll, they'll hit and miss. Right. So they're going to so, miss a lot of people, but we have to assess that quickly. Then you're right. Adjust to that person. And in this way, we're serving the person because we're selling them in the style they like, they enjoy and they want to buy in. Right. Now you, you stated the obvious there. We, we've got to assess this quickly because otherwise you're, you're already communicating potentially in the wrong way and you don't even know it. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if this is a fair question. I also don't know if it's an easy or simple question, but for people listening out there who might want to walk down this road and assess these different personality types as soon as possible, are there any recommended ways by which they can do that? Meaning, is there a sign you look for? Is there a question you ask? Like, is there something that you use in order to assess as soon as possible the type of personality that you're actually dealing with? Now, let's contrast too. That'd be a good way of doing it. So mm-hmm. an analytical, for example, they're going to be an accountant, an attorney, analytical, even a pilot. These are analytical doctor. These are analytical people, computer, whatever the person in the back. Mm. So they're computer oriented. So you can find out by their profession. They're, they're almost certainly 
almost always going to be an analytical. Interesting. So what happened is that you already know that. So when you're selling them, you want to start talking about the process of how you, your methodology, and you're going to use certain words. Like we have mm. a, a sequence. That's a magical word. It actually causes people, analyticals, to go into ecstasy. Could I be in a room where I've just said it among a lot of people? And I've seen analyticals, their eyes roll up when I say the word sequence. Mm. So you say sequence, methodology, numbers. Oh, by the way, so analyticals, they look to look, look the visual and they like to see graphs. They love graphs. So if you can show them a graph, you got them. Like, I mean, so they want to know that. Now, a dry, and, and they people who they have a dry sense of humor, mm-hmm. right? They're not that energetic. They don't move around a lot when they gesture. Yeah, so you can probably get the picture of, of an analytical. But how can you actually assess them? You asked that earlier. Great question. You can go online and start looking at their posts, what they're doing. You can look at what they're, you know, who they are, how they dress. Mm-hmm. You can get an idea. Now, an expressive is the person in the room at the seminar who's wearing a red tie and whatever and the, the flashy jacket. And the, and, then, and the lady, maybe she's got the big earrings and the big hair and whatever, and the colors, you can stand out. They, get, they actually stand out. That's an extreme expressive. We'll, we can talk about that some other time, the expressive. But let's talk about the driver. Driver wants bottom line, quick decisions. And they make decisions quickly, a driver, by the way, which is good for a salesperson. Analyticals do, do not like confrontation. And they don't make decisions quickly. Mm-hmm. So we have to obviously approach them differently. This is very interesting because what, what I love about your answer is, again, I, I always invite you to let me know if I'm misrepresenting or, or misstating here, but it's like you're using the surface level to identify the beneath the surface level since yeah. you have to speak to them beneath the surface. So something yes. where, again, it isn't a perfect science, but in general, if you know the industry that they're in or their vocation, you're already starting off on a, from the right foot. And even if you're wrong about that, you'll find out quickly in that conversation. Exactly. You can, can, you can adjust. Up. Yeah. So what happened is that you, you, you have a, you go, uh, okay, this person looks like an analytical. And as you gather information, you'll, you might find that, oh, they're actually analytical. Oh, by the way, not to get too complicated, but I think it's important to know that under stress, people change. Mm. So under stress, and we've seen that where somebody says, wow, I never saw that side of him. So what happened under stress, people change. They either become more of a driver. For example, I have a friend and he's, when he's a driver, it becomes more of a driver or they'll change. So for you, it's almost like a mind map because you're on, we'll just say a sales call because we know you're doing this in different situations. You're doing face-to-face, over the phone, yeah. who knows? But let's say you're on a sales call and you're walking someone through something and all of a sudden you give them a price that they don't like mm. or their spouse comes into the room screaming at them or their boss comes screaming. Like, in other words, they get stressed out over the call. And then you see the spike. You are, you've already automatically prepaved in response in preparation for how their personality might change. Is that a yeah. fair way of putting yeah. it? And they're always going to default to that under stress. So now I know their future too. Mm. I even know if they talk to me in that way, they're under stress. Like he's calling me, he's leaving a voicemail. I'm going, what's wrong with him? He's usually a nice guy. And haven't right. we seen that before when the nice guy, nice girl, and suddenly they're acting kind of strange because they're under stress. That's why. Yeah. So they default to a different one, which could be a driver. Like, I want that now. Where the heck is my delivery? And, and sometimes the nice people are stressed because they're forcing themselves to be nice when they don't even want to. That's so when they snap, they really yeah, snap, any, right? Yeah, I'd love to get into that sometime, which is 
Yeah. Right. <laughs> that's a, that's so, a whole different topic. Oh, I, I, I love it. that topic though. <laughs> now it's interesting because when you started your explanation, a question that was in my mind, because I know one of the things that you do is you, for lack of a better term, revise scripts. You take scripts and you just make them better. And I was going to ask, well, how do you know? But you answered it already. It's a script that's, that's uh, geared towards plumbers or attorneys or doctors. So if I'm understanding right, you're already making an assumption or you know a, a projection of hopefully uh, accurately what that personality type is going to be. And you're reworking the script that's going to be in harmony with how they want to hear it. Is that exactly. correct? Yeah. So let's say that I'm talking to uh, an analytical and the other guy's calling him and saying, I've got what you need. Bottom line, I can have it delivered. Let's get to work. Send me your paperwork. I need it now to get going. Now, he's in depression because that's like confrontational. A driver lo might love that. Good. As long as they believe you can deliver it, this guy doesn't mess around. He's not wasting my time. And you'll see that where a husband and wife will go in the dealership. And the guy's doing small talk with the wife. And maybe the guy is a driver. And you're going, come on, buddy. Let's see the car. Like, mm. You know what I mean? So what happened is it, the, sometimes you get two people or a group. And that's another thing I found with sales books. A lot of them talk about one-to-one. -one, but in actual, right. in business-to-business, -business, many times we're, we're talking to groups or we've got chains. And we have to actually see. That's a whole uh, perspective that I bring in where you've got to speak to. Like you gotta, so in yeah. other words the accountancy department, the marketing, we have to get, sell everybody. They, they all have their own agenda, but there's not many, not, not many sales books are talking about selling to groups yeah. or whether the sequence where it may take three months to get an approval. So Zig Ziglar, I love all these guys that sell pots and pans, but you know, we have to become a bit more sophisticated in business to business in that realm where you've got a group or a, Someone's well, got the wrong political agenda, of course, to keep his job within that company. Yeah, you, you kind of just, you know what, you kind of blew my mind there for a second because I've, I've never sold cars before personally. And I like to think of myself that I do understand sales, I understand psychology, but in all my years, I'd never considered the challenge that a car salesman might face when a husband and wife comes in with different personalities and he's got to decide who's making the real decision. And he's got to speak to that person realizing that he's going to be pissing off the other person at the same time. Mm. Yeah. So we it's have amazing. to accommodate both obviously. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's the thing. That's, that's the challenge. How do you accommodate both while speaking different languages, which I imagine is, is something that you could only learn through experience and through getting your, you know, grinded up a little bit by the process. Yeah. Right. I'm getting a, a coach, someone to, to guide you through it, to show you the examples and scenarios and case studies. Yes. Because it can be done. I do it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> I can imagine um, one week with you is like a college semester um, <laughs> at the very <laughs> least. And then some. That's, that's amazing. So I guess, well, here's a good question for you. Because obviously, I can just hear by the way you speak. There, there's a level of confidence, but there's also a level of ease. And for a lot of people, even people that are good in sales, there isn't ease because, you know, as much as we want to um, think that we've got thick skin, sometimes it could be a little hurtful if someone starts yelling at us or, or reacting in a bad way. And I get the feeling from you that you handle it very easily. And yeah. the, the question I have for you is, is that something that you had to learn or something that comes naturally to you? And if it's something that you had to learn, how do you learn that? How Like oh, for people that are, that are getting... 
shoot out and they're having trouble dealing with it, how do they cope with it so that they can do better for themselves? Well, uh, what you want to do, I'll give you one technique, which I, I'm not sure how much uh, was natural or how much wasn't, but I did train myself to get better. Mm -hmm. That's a fact. And I'll show you something you can do right away. So what you do is, uh, let's start from the beginning. Salespeople generally and universally across the board, no matter what they're selling, when they get an objection from the customer, the client or the prospect, for example, come on, are you kidding? Everything was good until you told me this price. You got to give me a better price otherwise. Or, no, this is great. Um, let me get back to you because your competitor also made an appointment. And you go, what? So, and now so the objection is, I've got another service provider I have to speak to before I make a decision. And your job is to, by the way, raise that idea. So what happens is when a salesperson gets an objection without proper training, what happens is that they're, they're going to stress. So now what happens is they're under stress. The heart rate's gone up. The pitch of the voice will go up. They'll be showing the dilations in their eyes and their face. And some people will even go red slightly. Mm. And our reptilian brain can pick that up because our reptilian brain has been trained for 10 million years yes. how to read body language. Yes. 10 million years of training. And it can see the stress. Now, what happens is that when we give the objection and then the pers this person in front of us, especially face-to-face, -face, gets stressed, it broadcasts back. Now the prospect's in more stress. Mm. So first they had the objection in the first place. And then they're under stress. And one thing that I never had anyone talk about, maybe someone did out there. Because I do analyze this deep. It's like my, it's, I'm obsessed. I can tell. Is that when somebody throws an objection, they're actually expecting you to go under stress. They're mm. actually watching for it. Because if the, it actually happened. Me and my brother went to see a, a car. It's a Trans Am many, many years ago. <laughs> and we came back and then he goes, so what do you think? He said, oh, you know, thanks for it. We're not interested. You should have seen his face. He was almost like, like a bull, you know, with horns. And then he, and, uh, so I was expecting him to be upset, not that upset. Cause we just mm -hmm. kind of walked away, just went for a test drive, you know, one day, maybe we'll get one. So what happened is they're watching you. So what you want to do is retrain your neurology to actually begin to breathe. So when they say, you know, Andrew, I can only, I, I can't buy a thousand books. I'm sorry. I, I, I'll cancel that order. Just give me a, a hundred and, and we'll see. And you go, what the hell? I don't, you know, I had a delivery truck ready. <laughs> so what happened is that what you do in that case, or what I do as a salesperson is I begin to breathe. So I lower my breathing and believe it or not, you can train yourself. You lower the pulse. I'll t you know, can teach someone to do that. And you breathe and you, and, you, you reframe the meaning of it. And this is what you say. So when any, so you do this exercise, get a friend and get them to give you objections. And you say, I'm so excited you brought that up and fill your body with happiness and joy mm. and, and keep doing that, retrain it. So saying you, 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 your service is too expensive and you say it loud, you say it aloud, you go, I'm so excited you brought that up. Yeah. Because in your mind, you're going to read, they've given you the content. At least they gave you the objection. They didn't give you a, you know, a smoke screen and walk away. And now you can use it to close them. So in your mind, 
you say, I'm so excited. But first you say it verbally, and you, so you retrain the neurological response. And it, it does work. I've yeah. taught people it. I've taught people in my team it, like in you know, my sales team. And I imagine also, um, you know, specifically like language patterns, like some people, they feel more natural or more at ease saying, I'm excited. Other people will want to say, I'm so grateful you brought that up, or I'm glad yeah, you yeah, brought yeah. that up. Or, well, you know, I, this is my favorite part of the conversation, actually. Like, you know, to say, like, again, I'm going all over the place, but I think for people that it just doesn't feel naturally like that. They and that's another thing. Away. Thank you for that. And that's why I mentioned that uh, not only do I, I never seen this, a script I couldn't improve. Mm-hmm. And you said you, you touched on something genius level there because it's not just the fact that the, the customer, it works better than the customer. It has, it has to work better in the salesperson's brain. Mm-hmm. So me, part of me formula, reformulating that script is exactly, and I always give people permission to change my scripts because it has to work for them. Right. So you're right. For you, the grateful would work better. So you shouldn't be using the other script. And what eventually happens is you, you don't actually say it. It's a feeling you get. Yes. Inside. And then they, it comes across in how your pupils are, are yeah. or not, are not dilated, in how you're breathing, in how you're projecting yourself, yeah. and how they and their reptilian brain is therefore receiving you. Yeah. And one thing that helps me being calm is that I realized that people have a choice. Hmm. So I prospect on the phone. I'm famous for my prospecting in my industry. And uh, they play, you know, play my calls on the stage, et cetera in the Palm Springs, Marriott and all. So what happens is that when I'm calling or I'm with somebody, I actually know that the, the person, I'm okay with it. I realized, and I, you could say that I offer the gift, or I realize that they have the gift of choice. They can choose to work with me or not. So mm-hmm. people have a right to choose. So once you have that, you become not attached. You go, okay, I did everything. So you, you act as if there's no choice that can go with me. But ultimately, in the background, you realize, hey, they have a choice. Next. Yeah. You don't want to treat them like you own them because then they're a possession to lose. Whereas yeah. they're, you're, you, the thing that you own is the offer, and you're being so kind as to give it to them, and it's up to them if they're going to figure out and be smart enough to take it or not. Yeah. So on the surface, you act like there's no way you're walking out here without buying. It's almost like a game you're playing. Right. But in the end, you kind of realize, you know what? People have a choice. I have a choice. And go to this seminar or that seminar. It's up to me. The yeah. guy can send me emails. And so once you give people, let people go in that way, you become less attached. So now it becomes more fun, you know, right. just talking to people and selling people. So I'm glad you're bringing this up because, but you know, my audience knows I don't just like hop on an interview and we like go for it. Like we chat before the actual record button is pushed. And one of the things I remember you telling me about early in the conversation before we officially began the interview was the importance of mindset and how you, you know, you work with people on that piece specifically because that becomes such a strong focal foundational point that once that part is set in a, in a much more positive way, everything else from identifying the personality type and handling the objections and being able to breathe easier and have the better language patterns and all those things, it kind of grows from there. Is that a fair way of putting it? Absolutely. That's a foundation. Mm-hmm. I mean, anyone who's in sales a long time will realize that mindset, oh my goodness. Because we go into a state where we can sell anything, get on the phone. You feel like calling your leads. Right. And there's other times you go, oh, that lead, uh, maybe later. I'm sure he's busy. You know, it's lunchtime. <laughs> we talk ourselves out of it. <laughs> right. Now, and I know when you work with people, I mean, you get the job done. I'm curious, 
is there a predictable amount of time that you guys will take on mindset or are people really so different where this guy might take one day and that guy might take like three weeks? Like what is based on your experience? Like how does that kind of flow for people? I don't know how it happens. Uh, but one thing that I've been, I've got a hundred percent and you know, let's see how long I can keep it. Hopefully a long time. Mm-hmm. I can get somebody comfortable getting on the phone calling within two weeks. Nice. Nice. And get you calling people. Like if you were, somebody's afraid of calling people, I got, it takes only two weeks and uh, I can get people on the phone. Now, how much they'll be on the phone, how good they'll be on the phone. That's a different subject. Hopefully much right. better. But, but now the that they're comfortable on the phone, phone you, you could build on it. Yeah. But I can get it. them to start picking up the phone within two weeks. Nice. Cause I, I, think, I, have, I, 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 I think it was with Dan Kennedy's events, right? Where, um, where he's featuring your prospecting calls. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I was on the stage with uh, with Nick Luizzi, the president, and we and we had a uh, it, it, the whole theme was selling. Mm-hmm. So they had a, a day where we actually handled objections from the audience, where they they would give us out their toughest objections. So one person was actually even working for them, like doing their work, uh, Facebook advertising, and he had, he had a problem with a restaurant chain because it was a privately owned and he wouldn't do the review, whatever the review tag or whatever it's called. I'm not in that, in that technical world, but he wouldn't allow reviews because he said, I don't want a bad review. I don't want one bad review. So he couldn't get him to use it. So he mm. acted like that customer, that restaurant owner and I role play from the stage. And that, you know, so that's what I do. I, I'm the person that actually goes live and I'll go live on calls, you know, and show people. Wow. That that's awesome. I'm sure. I'm sure there's so much that's even come almost like a, a osmosis where people will observe you doing it and they'll pick up things. And I even had an experience like that where, um, again, we were talking about this before the call where you had a certain phrasing um, in your sales. And I like experimented by putting it in a sales video um, just to see, because like you said, you've got to make a script your own, but sometimes something rings so true. It's like, well, that's how I speak already anyway. And it really fits. Yeah. And um, I imagine there's like a lot of situations like that when you're working with people where the language patterns kind of line up in a much more, uh, in a much quicker and easier way. Also, Absolutely. Because right? what, what I teach is language patterns. Mm-hmm. So then you can actually adapt them. Like even a simple one, have you found? So just starting a, a uh, so then you can fit in the rest. You know, have you found that people that read these type of books tend to do better in business. They tend to be able to scale faster. Have you, have you found that the more you exercise, the better you feel? So just that language pattern, have you found? So you mm. can go and take that anyway and make it your own. Have you found? I love it. So you've been, by the way, you've been so awesome going in a million directions as I'm trying to, I really am. I'm trying to like squeeze all this value <laughs> and insight and knowledge out of you and all these different angles. Um, given what we've covered already, is there anything that you think is so important and so high leverage that just in, in general in sales that most people don't think about where if they only considered it, they would improve almost overnight? Wow, there's so many. I got a category of them. So one of them is uh, that comes to mind. They will increase somebody's sales right away. And it doesn't cost any money. And it doesn't cost any time. Mm is uh, your biggest competition isn't always unnecessarily the other guy selling your service. The biggest competition when you're in front of somebody is getting their attention. 
and your competition could be that cell phone in their hand because they're thinking about it while they're talking. Like, did anyone like my post? Or is Jim going to be there? Or that seminar, you know, that I enrolled in and they're supposed to give me that room, arrange that hotel room and did they do it? So we have to keep people engaged in a conversation. Hmm. So we need to learn how to keep people engaged. And one of the ways, you know, I have about five ways that we talk about is actually being present with the person. So I, I've taught this to people, salespeople, and they've had, they actually talk to other people about it where just that one. So it's like uh, just being present where that person is the only person in the room. Mm-hmm. That's the only, and, and like Bill Clinton, somebody mentioned that they didn't even like Bill Clinton personally or he's whatever. And they went to the White House on one of those tours, you know, the, see the White House. And by chance, is that Bill Clinton saw the tourists and he actually came, you know, with his gang or whatever, his entourage, to mm. say hello. And he talked to this person in a way where he was the only person in the, in that existed. Right. And the attention he gave him. And he, and he says, I love that guy. I couldn't, I couldn't help loving him. Yeah. And so- he, I'm the last person. That's, that's really interesting just the way you put it because it's kind of like this goes back to the whole reptile brain and how when you stress people out, they can spot it. By that same token, it sounds like by being present with them, you are also communicating a number of things that they can't help but be captivated. And therefore, they're thinking less about their cell phone or thinking less about their spouse nagging them over, like whatever it yeah. might be. They're more present. So. Um, hearing you say that most people, even though we've heard it enough, um, they forget that it's all about the attention that you're competing for with everything else. But also I love the fact that just being present, which is one of the easiest things to do because it's really just about being more of who you are, that automatically gets you on another level in terms of how you're going to do on your sales. And um, I'm also going to assume another one of your things, let me know if I'm wrong about this, is pattern interrupts. Oh, yeah. because pattern interrupts, like they, they also are a wonderful way of just like, they're not going to hold the person's attention the way being present is, but they're going to snap them like into place. Like, whoa, what's going on here? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause people are in motion. They don't expect it. And that's something that gets people's attention and you can give them a, a suggestion right away. Right now. Do you have a standard pattern interrupt or do you have standard pattern interrupts for the personality types that you were talking about before? Or do you just go on feel or on the fly, depending on whatever's going on? But a pattern interrupt could be just even in my presentation. So yeah, I went to a seller and he was a, a driver, a business person who had a home for sale. And just the fact that my presentation itself was a pattern interrupt. Mm-hmm. Because other people went and said, oh, let me show you how I'll sell the property. And here's my laptop and all the things we're going to do, blah, 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 blah. The next, that's how they train. So I don't do what people do in my industry. And, uh, you know, they're going to go through the whole 18-point plan. You know, like, it's like a seminar. And I went to somebody. I said, I can't remember his name. I said, Jim, I got three presentations. I got a five-minute, 20-minute, a one-hour one. Which one would you like? <laughs> Give me the five-minute. So this, love- that in the long computer. <laughs> wow. I love that. That is awesome. <laughs> now question does anyone ever ask for the hour long is there like that analytical person that wants everything well you, you see you wouldn't say that to analytical <laughs> ah gotcha <laughs> a different script because then they'll want the 10 we hour know, we version. know he wants a longer one 
Yeah. And the other thing about things that are taught, I've noticed a lot, a lot of things are taught, but they only taught to a certain level, but they're not complete. Mm. You know, I mean, I can go on forever. Like one of, one of them is um, like the use of empathy. Like they're not complete. They, they, didn't, they didn't finish their, it's almost like the person learning it didn't finish his training. He got, right. the, he got the brown belt, but not the black belt. It's almost like that. That's what I see a lot of the sales training out there. Right. It's like they're, they're almost all the way along, but they're not to that level that they can actually handle each situation or that they could identify the best course of action or that they could even just like step it up a notch, basically. Yeah. Like I'll give you an example. Like the new thing now everyone's talking about is if you want to be a great salesperson, have empathy, 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 empathy. Mm. And I agree 100%. But they don't go to the next level, which is if you, go, if you have too much empathy, you, it, it becomes a, a double-edged sword because you buy into their reasons for not buying, but they become your own. Mm. So then what happens is you say, that's true. You can't really afford this because of yeah, the corona thing going on, the expenses, you know, which you're probably wait. You're not actually believing it. And you'll walk out and somebody else will walk in and, and sell them right after you. And you go, what happened? Wow. And, you know, it happened to Zig Ziglar. I can't remember the exact story, but he went to, he talked about a story. I, don't, I think it wasn't him. He talked about a salesman that went in to sell uh, fire insurance to a person on a, to a person, I think he had a farm or something. Anyway, so he went in there and the person talked about how difficult it was financially, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And he didn't sell it. And then uh, if I remember the correct, you know, story ending, something happened. I think it was that the, the place burned down or something. He never sold them insurance, something like that. Something happened. But what I'm saying is we can, the empathy, you know, you have to keep your intention too. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so that's all. But I'm just saying that, you know, that these things like incomplete that have empathy, but don't go too far. Don't like just lose yourself because you're going to start buying into those objections as your own. Yeah. Yeah. You know, to, to give you a compliment here, it's clear that you enjoy teaching this, but it's also clear to me at least that part of the reason that you're so good at it is because you also do it. You practice what you preach. Yeah. You know, you're not a coach. You're a player coach. You're on that field handling the work the way anyone else does. And you're in, you're basically getting all the real world experience up to date on a regular basis. Like you keep yourself fine tuned. Yeah. Yeah. That's why um, it's important. If you want to be at the top elite, you got to be, you got to call people you don't know. It's mm-hmm. good for the, it's a good muscle. Whether yes. it's one a day or one a week or in my case, more than quite a few a day. But what happens is you want to start because it keeps you sharp. Mm-hmm. It keeps the hunter alive inside you. Yeah. It's almost like, and you know, someone like me, I'm, I don't do sales the way you do, but I write copy. Sometimes when I take a break from writing copy, there's a bit of an uphill battle to get myself in the mode. Whereas if I'm just doing it every day, it just, it goes a lot more smoothly and yeah. it just, it rolls off the tongue or off on the keyboard, so to speak. Um, so much better by staying in practice and by staying sharp. So I can definitely appreciate that. Yeah. So um, quick question for you here, because again, you know, you're a player and a coach on the coaching end, since I know that you deal with people in person, but you also deal with like with groups for companies, what is your favorite part of the process when you're working with people and showing them this craft? Is actually watching the, the way they sell. Mm-hmm. And then reconfiguring it. 
and uh, and changing it, you know, like finding out what, how we can make it better. And for me, it's working with the higher salespeople, like the, higher, the ones who are already doing well mm-hmm. and making good incomes. They're the ones that I do better at because I can really fine tune what they're doing. And right. I, I go to like their voice, uh, reading people. I mean, there's so much involved that there's things that, because what happened, I went, I went outside the sales industry as well. I mean, to other areas and uh, I'm learning to bring that in. So I bring a lot into it and just seeing that shift and also sales teams, like if they, if they convert, I, I like working with numbers. So if their numbers are like, they have a 40% closing ratio, I want to get that up to 50, which is a, a massive difference in their profit. Oh yeah. The difference between me is I'll get on the phone myself. That's what I want to do. In fact, I want to, I want to be them with their customers on the phone and actually call, like just know what I need to do to, do to make that particular call in terms of content of their company or their delivery on the phone or whatever they're offering. But, you know, that's one thing that I, I stand for is being the real deal. And when I spoke at SeaWorld for the big Dan Kennedy conference, I actually asked, I requested that there's a question and answer at the end, but, you know, in role play or whatever with the audience. Mm-hmm. Right. It's, it's all so, yeah. that real world interaction. And then, so that, let's say that, that like one, one client I have, I was watching him on one of his presentations and, and I'll go then I'll listen to it in my own time and I'll go back and they'll see like, oh, I could have done that or I did this or I could have closed earlier. I could have told that story more emotionally because my voice was all on one volume. So even what I said was great, but we need to change the volume up to emphasize certain things with that person. And, uh, you know, the, the, I, I like retooling like that, but, but also giving them real strategies. Like I hope that on this call, there's a few things you can actually go use. But mine has to be real and it has to be applicable. Mm-hmm. So I love working with sales teams and individuals. Right. It's that collaborative process, especially people that are already high end because it's, it's almost exponential when you're, yeah. you're tweaking something that's already really working. It just, it boosts up yeah. all the better and all the easier. Cause myself, I went to NLP. I trained with the founders personally. I got certified as a master trainer. So, you know, I went on the search myself mm-hmm. and said, what's the next edge? You know, what's, what's the next level. So I'm yeah. the person that will come in and improve a person's conversion sales ability and enjoyment of selling. Since, since you brought up NLP, just to squeeze a little more gold out of you today, is there any good phrasing or tip that you might offer that you learn from NLP that people can use in their well, life the, or in their business? If you business? go to my website, it's persuasionmaster.com. Persuasionmaster.com. Yeah, and I have a free PDF. You just press the button, you get it automatically. You just, you just, actually, you just press it and it downloads onto your, you know, whatever. And uh, basically, it's uh, dangerous words. The seven words that we, we tend to be using that are killing ourselves. Interesting. We don't even realize it. And there's Got actually it. more, but there's seven there. There's actually, I have more, but there's seven key ones. Mm-hmm. And uh, if anybody wants, they can actually book a call 15 minutes and I can go into, the, like into their business. And they can bring me one question that will help them in their business. I love it. And, you know, and, so and I make sure they get content. And then come away as if it's a coaching call. Like I've, I've noticed that some people like afraid, Richard. Oh, I don't want to bother him, but I enjoy it. Wow! You know, so you get know, on a call. 
there's a real synchronicity there because I was just about to ask you if people wanted to connect with you, what's the best way? But it sounds like that website's the way to go, right? Yeah. What's and that I website? I have an app coming out. It's actually already made, but it's not, uh, it'll be on Google or whatever. So it's called The Closing Machine. Is that a, right. a I'm sorry, what's coming? Is that a book? Or uh, is it's called, yeah, the, Clo- the Closing Machine. It's an app for the phone where I give a lot of Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. Nice. I love it. Okay. Yeah. Is that something that I could, I could link people to or should I just link them to well, the it's not, it's not. It's in there right now, but it's not released to the public. Got it. Okay. But it cool. will be soon though. So when, when they download the, the PDF, then I'll have the email. I can send it to them when it's ready. It's actually already built. It mm-hmm. hasn't been released yet on there. Perfect. So what, what I'll do is in, in the show notes for this um, interview, I'll put the, that link where they can get the PDF. And um, if they want to get the app also, I guess they'll be in line for it. Yeah. I love it. This is awesome, man. I am, oh, this has been such a good call. So I guess one more question for you, because I don't want to keep you too long here. Um, I'll, I'm liable to keep you for five hours with this stuff. <laughs> um, if, you know, based on everything you've been through, again, you've been through the ringer and you've, you've, Take, you've obviously taken upon yourself to teach yourself this and to really refine your craft and, and go do all those steps that most people never even dream of touching. Based on that, if you can go back 10, 20, even 30 years in the past, give a piece of advice to your younger self, what would that advice be? I would hire a coach, somebody that would actually guide me about what I'm doing and give me feedback mm. you know, to what I'm doing. Like, is this good? I made this call. Let me send it to you and then work on it. And then but somebody who is actually the real deal, not an academic. Because there's people who are academics and they have tweed jackets, you know, with the leather patches. <laughs> but if you said, let's go door knocking right now and sell this, these alarms, they go, I'm not going there, right? So there's a difference yeah. between the person who actually does it. Because like actually, whatever. anyone who's been in the field knows what I'm talking about. Yeah, whatever it's not, industry not you're in, the you way find a mentor who's books. in the trenches. Yeah. Mm. But I would definitely hire a coach. Got it. How, how many years do you think that would have uh, shaved off your learning experience or your learning curve? Well, my, my job is an exaggeration on purpose. Like it's almost like a pattern interrupt, but I, I'll make de- decades into days, mm. which is, you know, just a way of saying it. But yeah, like it. It, it'll be faster. I, who knows how much faster? Right. I love it. It would be faster. And there's no reason to elongate it because I've talked to people that were talking a certain way. Like there's one person that I was coaching in California and he had a lot of authority in his voice, but he was kind of cold, you know, this way he would talk and he prospected a lot. So I said to him, I'm not going to take away your authority, but we need more warmth in the voice. And so what I, I said, if I had a choice, I'd actually keep the authority. I wouldn't even touch it because I know how to do it. So what I did is I built in a rhythm. I gave him some exercises to build a rhythm into his voice. Mm. And, he, and he's got 100% of his authority. because He has that kind of authoritative voice, which is great. Uh, but now he sounds warm, like he actually cares about you when he talks. And it's brilliant. I, I, I mean, when I hear him now, it sounds so good, like someone you want to talk to. It's a very, really good voice. So, you know, who knows what I end up working with somebody on. They, they don't have any idea. And right. a coach sees things that we don't see. It's invisible. Absolutely. We all have relatives, right? But we think, if I can only tell them to do this thing, but they're going to be <laughs> offended. Like, 
for the next 20 years. So yeah. I can't tell them. We all have that, right? <laughs> when you have a coach, like, not a relative. It's like, I wonder if I could send my mother-in-law to Richard about this thing, but who knows? <laughs> yeah. Richard, I got to tell you, this, this has been awesome. I, I really appreciate you letting me pick your brain. And I, I think it's one of those things where if, if people really understood the, the wealth of knowledge that was really embedded in all these answers, they, they would make a quantum leap right away. And uh, I hope people listening out there that, that specific to sales and want to step things up, I hope they'll reach out to you. And I'm just so grateful that you chose to grace the show with your wisdom and your insight. Um, I'm really excited for when this one's going to come out. So thanks so much for being on today. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you again, Richard, for that awesome, awesome interview, guys. You definitely want to check out PersuasionMaster.com and really check out what Richard's all about because let me tell you right now, if you were even paying attention to half that interview, you know that this guy's the real deal. Also, before I forget, if you haven't done so already, pull out your phone right now real quick, hit that subscribe button while you're at it, leave a quick, honest, written review. Let me know what you thought about today's show and all the content before it. And of course, remember, you can always go to LastLawOfAttractionBook.com if you want to check out my book, The Last Law of Attraction Book You'll Ever Need to Read. Or you can go to my YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash Andrew Cap. And stay tuned. We've got some more awesome guests on the way very, very soon. You definitely do not want to miss who I've got in store for you. So thanks so much for listening today. Have a great day, and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to Shatter the Mold at www.shatterthemoldpodcast.com. My name is Andrew S. Kaplan. My name is Andrew S. Kaplan, and it's time to shatter the mold.